Welcome everyone to Locker Room Rewind, sponsored by Chunky Nelms Insurance. I'm Ryan Reynolds alongside Jaden Hard. Only one high school football game this week, so it might be a fairly, <laughs> fairly speedy episode, but it is a big one in the 6A Division II Region 1 by District Round Central. We'll make the six-hour trek to El Paso to take on El Paso Eastlake on Friday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at SAC Stadium. What do you make of this matchup just right off the bat? Well, I know that one thing that I make of it is it's really weird because you don't really have a whole lot to go off of for El Paso Eastlake. I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. You know, Playing four games, they were a part of that one of the districts that played only each other, one non-district game, and then the three other games were in district. They boast a 6-0 record because two forfeits. It just kind of shows you how different parts of the state have been less fortunate than we have in the Concho Valley as far as not having a ton of games canceled. And, you know, that's the really the big thing that stands out right away. Yeah, not a large not a large sample size for El Paso East. Like, they finished second in District 1-6A, only because Eastwood played one more game in one one more game. So El Paso Eastlake sitting at 6-0. They had two forfeits uh, go in their favor, uh, Socorro and Americas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why the Falcons are an undefeated second-place team. I think it's important. And Pebble uh, Hills gave them a, a run for their money. One of Central's, I would say, at, at least from the El Paso area, their probably most familiar opponent in recent years would be Pebble Hills and, and gave them kind of a run for their money last week and only lost by one point. Yeah, 35-34 so. th- El Paso Eastlake beating Pebble Hills last week. So this matchup, it's interesting. Central, they had a, uh, a pretty good timely bye week this past week because of the district moving games up. So they were able to get a week off before heading into district play. I think it's a, a pretty good good week off uh, considering they lost their last two regular season games which dropped them from first and 2-6a down to third but regardless they are still the one seed in the smaller school division of the class 6a playoffs the cats having to travel on the road to note with no spectators in el paso i think that's going to be uh pretty weird i know coach davis mentioned how that could be a uh, advantage it will be an advantage for East Lake, but we also know that the Cats they they tend to play differently on the road compared to home. I think that's the big thing. And this will be an environment that they haven't played in this season because I would even say go as far as saying you know the the fan base really did a really good job of tra- traveling in those fr- three non district games and then the games in Midland uh, and in Friendship the in district you know they they've had at least some sort of support there. It, it will be a one of those where I think initially will be kind of shocking. But, you know, other than the the big travel down there to El Paso, the, the long trek to El Paso, you know, that's really the the only advantage of it and it being East Lake Stadium, obviously. But, you know, the, the crowd home field advantage, as I say that, you know, and I realize this is an audio platform, I was doing air quotes, um, <laughs> you know, that, that actually doesn't really – the only thing is this them not having to get up and make that journey i mean yeah it's their home field but at the same time i mean it's just a field if you're you're not gonna have fans in there it's gotta be an eerie environment yeah it's being a playoff be. game and that is it's just, just it's just so strange uh we mentioned the timely bye week for central they got some key pieces back 
uh, Coach Davis told us. We know that when they played Midland lead, they pretty much played with an entire second string secondary and uh, backups on the defensive line. So that is another positive for Central heading into this by district game. And I think that 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 was a big difference maker in that game, especially you know come come in the second half whenever. Uh, Midland Lee was able to start really kind of moving the ball a lot better against Central. You know, this season has been weird for the Bobcats. I would say that it started out with a big valley. It's been peaks and valleys all year, but that initial just huge drop-off from, and I I don't mean that necessarily a bad way, but the first two games, you know, it was a struggle. It was trying to get things going. The clean shoemaker game, they they were in it in parts, but you could just feel the wind kind of get sucked out of the football team. And then that game against Shirts Clemens, you know, that was that was arguably their worst loss of the season. And, and Coach Davis has gone back and said, you know, they were trying some new things and experimenting a little bit. So whenever you're doing that, that that's bound to happen. But you know, they kind of started moving backwards on that upward t- trend with consolidated which would have been a great win. And even the fact that they played them as close as they did is, is pretty impressive. And then their best game of the season, you could still argue, is Abilene, the first game of district. Uh, you, you know, we've talked about uh, that on this podcast, just how flawless of a game that they played. And then the three games, you know, through the bottom tier of the district, pretty pretty smooth sailing. And then you finish with those two minor little back trending down. But we talked we've talked about it over the past three weeks with permian and lee those were games that were very winnable for central i think if you take care of the football and and take advantage of some of your opportunities then it's a a lot different story you know central is still a very capable football team i think that when we get very in the moment and start thinking of what 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 has happened the most recent you know uh so the, the two losses is it definitely stings, but you know I, I I still feel like Central is a few turnovers away from being still undefeated in district and district champs. Which is exactly what I was going to say. That big win over Abilene to open district play at home sparked that four-game winning streak, and then you drop two games to close out the regular season. That I mean, you're one or two turnovers away, one or two more executed plays away from possibly flipping the script on those two and it they could have been wins in central's favor and uh yeah but no you're you pretty much said it right good ups and downs for central i think you can take a lot from those two losses uh especially heading into a bye week where you have time to to kind of gather yourself and, and think about it um as well as prepare for east lake when looking at the tail of the tape for this matchup you have central they're averaging 36 points per game allowing 36 points per game east lake averaging about 40 points per game allowing about 19 and I, I know we we mentioned about the the small sample size mm-hmm. uh earlier in the show we asked coach davis on monday yes this team has a small sample size to kind of look at and choose from so we asked him what teams does Eastlake resemble on offense and which team do they resemble on defense in terms of teams that they've already played this season? And Coach Davis said Eastlake on offense, uh, they're not really up there as skill position-wise, but they are similar to Lee on offense in terms of tempo, spreading it out, attacking you through the air. And then on defense, they're more similar to friendship with that 3-3-5 stack that we're starting to see grow in popularity. Yeah, and I mean, if you just 
based on the statistics, and we were able to find the first three games, their fourth game against Pebble Hills, they haven't posted a passing stat yet. But, you know, I guess if you look at the comparison of how they use their play calling, they, they lean 59% pass, 41 with run. I would say that's pretty comparable to what we saw with Midland Lee. And, and you know, in the last two games were, well, I guess excluding Pebble Hills, it would be against Coronado and um, I think against Montwood. They threw the ball over 40 times in both of those games. So, and then that first game, non-district, uh, they they threw it like 32 times. So, you know, they, they're not afraid to throw the football. They're, they're honestly, if you're going to go back to – comparing teams as far as an offensive standpoint they they might run the ball a little bit more than the bobcats but they also you know like the th as far as throwing it and spreading it out i think they're they're kind of similar in that regard and some players to watch for the east lake falcons their senior quarterback orion olivius he has a touchdown a passing touchdown to interception ratio of 14 to 1 He's thrown pretty for, accurate this year. He has. He's thrown for over 1,100 yards. His best games this season, uh, right off the bat, if you look at that box score, his game against Parkland jumps out. 22 of 32, 359 yards, six touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And then his game against Coronado, he completed 27 to 39 passes for 400 yards, four passing touchdowns, and zero rushing touchdowns. So he's not much of a scrambler either. He only has 12 rushing attempts. For 23 yards this season, which means if Montavious Dobbins and those guys can come off the edge, force him out of the pocket, you could disrupt some things. I, yeah, he's, he he seems to me like he's a a sand in the pocket type passer, and and then you know the guy that's going to get a bulk of the carries is Elijah Rebe. It, it looks like they've kind of got their clear cuts at each position, even at receiver. Uh, I think I, I hope I say his name right. It's Blas Compian. Uh, I mean, he had 29 targets through the three games sample size that we had compared to, you know, th there were three other guys in double digits, but they were low, low teens. So, you know, I, I mean, they've kind of got like their three studs on offense. It looks like that, you know, you can key in on. And it, but again, the problem is it being kind of such a small sample size that they're Maybe they were battling a few th like injuries, or, or maybe they're still working out some kinks. Like it really is a weird deal. And I mean, they're one non-district game against Parkland. You mentioned that. Uh, I guess if you want to go and look at a comparable as far as what their best wins of the year might be or, or losses in, in, from four games, uh, I, I would say that's a pretty good win in the case that Parkland in 5A Division Two ended up winning its district. And their only loss of the year was to Eastlake. Uh, and, I mean, I guess if you're looking at inside their own district, choosing between three games, it, it's it's kind of hard. I guess maybe Montwood lost, you know, by three to Eastwood um, last week in OT, and that was kind of like that deciding game we were waiting on to see who would be the one and the two. Uh, I mean, I think that would probably be their most impressive win, maybe Pebble Hills, but – when I start doing maybe this, maybe that, then well, are, are all their wins going to be impressive wins? So, no, I, I just think it's an – it. not only is it an interesting situation, as we, we stated, where there aren't going to be fans in the stands or anything like that. It's an interesting situation because you have a team that is just – there's tape on, and, and I know the coaches have – they've been preparing for this, but – 
it's one of those things where you know you could you could see something completely different and it's just going to be it's a part of the the strange year that it is yeah you mentioned you mentioned Aribe three games over 100 rushing yards this season not a lot of catches 12 catches for 81 yards and a touchdown uh but he does catch the ball out of the out of the backfield if i can speak this morning Hmm. um you mentioned blast compian he averages about 120 receiving yards per game there's also another receiver that kind of stood out kyan williams the stat 10 catches in five touchdowns this season so a guy they go to a red 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 zone target all receivers over six foot williams is listed uh on max preps as six foot two so we mentioned how it would be best if the central defense can flush orion olivas out of the pocket maybe uh disrupt some of those passes on offense i think it's important to get seth levette going get him more involved i know teams have uh the in the past couple games have have tend to to shut him out of the offense which ends up getting more people involved but if i think you get seth levesque involved right off the bat i think it opens up more offensively and we've seen the cats thrive when they get levesque the ball early i mean and you could even make the flip argument depending on which games i i know that there's a certain certain allotment of games that you can send game film to uh coaches and I don't know how that whole thing works. I'm not going to even try to sit here and act like I do. But I do know that there are limits on it. And I don't know if you get to pick and choose which ones that you send. But so if you're going off more recent games, Lifesty, Jalen yep. Lifesty would probably be the guy that they would think is, okay, this guy's probably the guy that they're targeting a lot, which could maybe, I mean, this is all hypothetical, leave some opportunities open for Levesque. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for Central offensively is just kind of been the story from the get-go this season is, is just not shooting yourself in the foot. Because I think when this football team plays clean clean and solid football like it did against Abilene, I know that's a hard ass to play perfect every single <laughs> week. That's a really hard play ass. Play perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's going to be penalties. There, there's going to be little miscues in there. I think the biggest thing that hurt them, though, against Permian and Lee were those turnovers in the red zone. And that that can just shift the momentum. Now, in the Lee game, they were able to come out in defense on the the first two turnovers in the red zone in the first quarter and, and you know, hold them and get the ball back and then eventually score. And, and that was crucial, how they responded. But I just think that if you get down there and you're scoring these points, you're taking advantage of these opportunities – then I mean it, it's common sense. They're they're going to be able to to be a lot more effective offensively than they've been, and they've been effective offensively. It's not like that Central's offense has been playing bad. It's just little little errors that that can completely just change the momentum and and tide of a football game. Yeah, four red zone turnovers for Central uh, the past two games, both resulting in losses. My stat of the week, though, and I think this is this is crucial. Uh, if Central can hold Eastlake to under 40 points, their odds, if you look at the season, are in their favor. They're 0-4 when they allow more than 40 points. That's not like an 0-1 or an 0-2. That is yeah. an 0-4, which is which is it's pretty big. And they're 4-1 when they hold opponents under 40 points. So what were the games? Uh, I know Lee was one that they allowed over 50 or 40. I know Permian was one that they Shoemaker. allowed. Shoemaker. Shoemaker and Consolidated? Yes. Okay, because I know Clemens was thirty-five. I was just trying yeah. to quickly. Those are the, those those are the ones. Which I mean that that makes sense. 
I, I, I could see, yeah, I could see those games being the ones. But yeah, no, that that isn't actually an interesting stat, and I think that a lot of that goes back to offensive efficiency. I know that it's the defense that holds teams to under that, but whenever you're setting yourself up into a position where, yeah, you you could have a track meet if the offense is is rolling and playing its best, the defense could completely just not be able to stop the other offense. But I think that it also, in all three phases of a football game, it matters. You hear that get thrown aloud around a lot, and I I mean I think it's really true. I, I if you have errors on special teams, then that sets up good field position for the opposing offense. You know if if you you botch something in the red zone and, and give them good field position, and you're okay, let's or you're in their territory and you throw an interception it's it's common sense type stuff yeah. i'm trying to say but you know these mistakes add up and, and and throughout a football game if you're adding more mistakes into their column and giving them more pluses then then you're just bound to lose a game are I you mean, just giving them more possessions i mean it's just yeah <laughs> it, it's it's the common addition subtraction type thing uh, i guess if i've got a stat and it kind of goes just with the entire generalized area of el paso it's Traditionally, the first-round opponent for Little Southwest Conference teams, you know, the last two years hasn't been the case. Uh, one thing I think last night, I this is so the 11th playoff appearance. This isn't my stat, but 11th straight playoff appearance under head coach Brent Davis. In the 10 previous year or 10 previous appearances, they're seven and three in the first round, and two of those losses came in the last two years to Lamar and Martin, Martin last year and Lamar the year mm-hmm. before. So before that saw a great deal of success and that was when they were playing out West. So back to out West and what I was trying to trying to say earlier, they've won six straight against El Paso teams. Just that's regular season and playoffs. A lot of three in a row against Pebble Hills. That makes up the most recent games. Uh, Franklin, America's and then Franklin again. They're eight and one since 2013 against El Paso area teams. And then if you go back to the past 10 years, they're 11-4 and four against El Paso area teams. All four losses coming against El Paso Franklin. El Paso Franklin is in 6A Division One. You do not have to worry about them. That's Odessa Permian's problem. So I guess if I'm trying to say what with this stat is, is that the Bobcats have generally had pretty good success against these teams and, and out of this district and – you know, East Lake is different. The, the team unfamiliar opponent, but I would say that you know, just kind of basing it off of how they've played Pebble Hills in past years, it's been close. It's been you know, the last year's game was something. You know, oh, that, yeah, that second yeah, half yeah. comeback, the comeback that was probably one of the regular season games of the year. Yeah, um, <laughs> something special there. But I think just you know that resume in itself, eleven and four in ten years against El Paso area teams where it's just really just one that had their number and that was towards the beginning of Coach Davis's tenure with the Bobcats. So, I mean, I just, I look at that and I feel a little more confident going into it, even with, you know, the unknowns of this season for that district. I, I just feel like history is on the Bobcat side. Well done, Mr. Hart. <laughs> That's a good stat. 11 I like, and 4. I like going back and doing the matchup stats. 11 and 4 the past 10 years against El Paso teams. It'll be interesting. Uh Central they they have they have a chip on their shoulder after losing those last two games. East Lake they're going in 
with all the confidence in the world, haven't been beaten yet this season. It'll be a really exciting game, and it will be a really exciting week all across the board for Texas high school football. You got um, Lano and Hallettsville, Jim mm-hmm. Ned and Mount Vernon. Ooh. So many good games. 3A Division One has, has been – it might be one of my favorite classifications, and, and this is a central preview, but that's, that's going to be fun. The, both of those games are – I mean, I, I, I could say I'd, I'd want to see a G, Jim Ned and Lano uh, final, but 3A Division One is – because it gets to that point, and we've talked about this off camera, off camera, off mics, whatever you want to say, where it gets before it starts getting into bigger towns. Three um, A Division One's kind of like that last small school district or classification, and to me, that makes it a lot more fun. Um, you know, I guess just one last little tidbit on the Bobcats. Next round, if you win, you can see their the Weatherford Kangaroos, uh, familiar opponent from last year. The last two years in district, um, or Haslett Eaton, I, I think you're probably going to see Haslett Eaton. They're they're seven and three, Weatherford's five and five. Uh, I think one of their losses too was Eaton uh, was against South Lake Carroll, and, and I think they played them pretty close if I remember right. And I pulled that up really quick so that I'm not just talking from no standpoint. But I, I think Haslett. Eaton will probably give them a good little challenge. So they lost 45 to 30 to South Lake Carroll. Uh, now South Lake Carroll might not be the team of old, but they also are seven and one, and they went six and zero in district. And that's a district that has Byron Nelson and and the Kellers in it. Uh, so yeah, I mean they lost to Louisville, who is considered a good football team, 31 to seven, and then Denton Braswell they lost by seven, 44 to 37. So. I think Eaton's the team you're probably more than likely going to see in the next round. But, you know, I guess fingers crossed I would prefer – I guess if, if I'm on a rooting interest for Central, I would I would rather them see Weatherford because, one, you're familiar with the scheme. Two, you know, I think that's a more beatable team. Yeah, and you got uh, – I guess taking a look at the other Southland – not Southland, <laughs> Little Southwest Conference uh, opponents. Midland Lees, they're, they're taking on Montwood – uh, you got Permian against Franklin. They could possibly get South Lake Carroll in the next round. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, uh, uh, which I say that, and I, you know, the, I, they, people are saying Carroll is kind of in a down year. This might not be the same Carroll that it used to be. So, I mean, take that information with whatever you want to take it as. And then Abilene taking on the winner of 1-6-A, El Paso Eastwood. Who does Abilene have in the next round? North Crowley. Crowley or Byron Nelson. Okay. I think they'll probably get Crowley. You think so? I think. I mean, that would make sense. Um, now, that's also another off-the-cusp take. But, I, I look, I, this region is – region one uh, – well, across 6A football at this point, they're, they're good teams in every region. But, man, uh, I'm, I'm very – Thankful, I guess, as someone that covers the Bobcats, that they are not in 6A Division One because Region One in 6A Division One is loaded. It has Allen in it. It has South Lake Carroll. It's just, and there are plenty of others. A lot of powerhouses. Yeah, like I could, <laughs> I, I can't honestly tell you all of them off the top of my head. But looking at it last night, I know that I was kind of just like, oh, good luck. Um, but you know the same could be said about six A Division two as far as a region goes. I mean, there there's Prosper and and Flower Mound Marcus who who are both really good football teams and play each other here in the first round. And that would be who who the Bobcats see in the regional round if they were able 
well, could see. Let me say could. I, I have a feeling the winner of that game will make it to the regional round. But it is also playoff football, and, and stranger things have happened. So, you know, I guess if, if <laughs> you're looking true. at the next two matchups for the Cats, if they win this week, I, I have a, a good feeling that they are, then you're probably getting eaten and then either Flower Mountain Marcus or Prosper. And I really don't know who's, who's favored to win that game between Prosper and Flower Mountain Marcus, but... You know, I, I feel like that's probably going to be a really good game to watch this week. Uh, two two powerhouse teams going at it. Um, they've they've got Marcus favored by uh, thirteen. Dave Campbell's does, and they have Central favored by one point. Yes, correct. But, but that you know again, I, and it, and it isn't ever a knock on Dave Campbell's. We're actually going to have kind of a special little deal we'll, we'll do later this week, uh, just for air and then also for podcast platforms. Uh, with with one of their the six man insider for Dave Campbell's uh, Granger Huntress, who I've been saying his name wrong <laughs> inconsistently, or yeah, maybe not wrong, but I've said it pretty inconsistently. If you think I've said Hunter Granges and and a bunch of other different things, but uh, we're going to have him on to talk about Sterling City in May. Um, I'll do that in the the studio, and then we'll transfer it over to podcast where anything. But what I'm saying is, is we value their opinion, and and we've stated that several times. I, you know, I know Matt Stepp is is a, a listener of the podcast, which is is <laughs> a awesome. Fan, a fan of the show. Um, I guess he's a fan. I don't know if he's a fan. I think it's more of he just probably is trying to get his information fixed and just, and just, move he just, on. He just guts guts. Yeah, listening he guts listening thing. to us. It's like, oh man, here's these two guys from the these Contra clowns, Valley again. The, these clowns. But no, I <laughs> and I I, I I appreciate that they absolutely that they do that. You know, um, but I guess the point is is that what I was going to say is I think this season that their algorithm has been kind of low on the Bobcats um, and, and several contests. Um, you know, they ended up being right about the Permian and Midland League games, though. So, I mean, I can't argue. Um, now, I, I, I guess I'm using the eye test, which drives me absolutely nuts. That's how we do our college football playoffs um, now. But the eye test uh, with Central and Permian and Lee. So, we'll see how it goes. I, I feel pretty confident, though, just based on, like I said, past success against this district. Central starting their playoff run towards the state championship on Friday against El Paso Eastlake. 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. They'll actually kick off at 5.30 Mountain Time. But since no spectators are allowed, at 6.30 p.m., I know Contra Valley Sports Network, Shea Harris and the folks over there are still trying to get rights uh, to that game. That could that could change today. That could change kick, tomorrow. Kick By the time you listen to this, uh, you can just make sure you can double-check with that on the the concho sports network facebook page if they don't get the rights or if you just like listening to radio kixie uh they they always put on a a really nice broadcast yeah. too i think that's what 94.7 yes that, and that's that's always one of those things <laughs> i not that i'm i'm you know viewing however you want to consume content is all up to you but i like listening to stuff i like kind of closing my eyes and visualizing the game as it's going on and, mm -hmm. and you know that's good to take on the go yeah i mean that's radio <laughs> this is it's radio just, to begin like, with yeah but no kixie they will have the broadcast 94.7 you'll, you'll have options sure. i wouldn't be surprised if if concho valley sports are yeah if concho valley sports isn't able to get it um which i know like you said they're fighting for it and and they will put in a good fight for it um if they're not able to get it if there's some sort of a deal that gets worked out maybe with sakura uh, isd where there's some sort of a 
a stream because I mean this is this is the whole thing's been kind of weird uh you would have thought that they would have tried to have done a neutral field just so that El Paso fans would have gotten to at least see their kids play potentially one last time if this is their last game definitely surprised me yeah no I, I think I think it surprised a lot of people but I mean you know talking with with coach Davis yesterday it seemed like he was kind of under the impression this was how it's going to once once they knew it was East Lake that it was going to be like this and and you see that across the board really with even in 5a division one and division two that that there these a lot of these teams are traveling to El Paso I think the Amarillo teams are traveling to El Paso as well so you know it's it's kind of clear that they wanted that advantage of not having to necessarily not not having to travel and and you know yeah we haven't had to play in front of fans well we're gonna make this weird for you guys and you've gotten to play in front of fans this season well here you go <laughs> welcome to our world yeah <laughs> and, and and maybe that that is a home field advantage in itself is the just eeriness as you described earlier so well, well Eastwood and Abilene are playing in Fort Stockton aren't they yes but so so and that that could be a prep that could be one of those deals where Eastwood decided they w would bite the bullet and do that and, and so yeah I mean it, it's again preference based on what the coaches and everyone thought but I do you know I talked about the home field advantage aspect and maybe that actually is a, a, a added advantage of playing in El Paso is the fact that they haven't played in front of fans so it's not going to be sur like this surreal kind of just you know weird wasteland Shock. of football like it's gonna quiet. feel like a like a, like it's a playoff game but it's gonna have the atmosphere of a scrimmage yeah so strange. so i mean and in, in a way you know maybe that does give them some sort of home field advantage and we'll see how the bobcats respond to it again i, I i've said it probably three or four times now I, I feel pretty confident about this game i know that it's just a one point favorite with an algorithm with algorithm but i i i think central's this is this is a central team that's capable of making a little run. We'll see what is in store on Friday, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Central versus Eastlake at SAC Stadium. That's it for us today on Locker Room Rewind. Next week, we will have uh, a little bit of a different schedule. Uh, the recap for the Central game will probably go out on Monday again, and then we'll have a Sterling City preview as well as that special with the six-man guru. Yeah, I'm thinking that'll probably be – put out friday ish uh, i know I'm, I'm shooting for thursday so we'll uh we'll have that up probably for the weekend and then yeah we'll have a, a recap depending on uh, kind of how things are going i know everyone's world is is changing with christmas coming around and stuff so uh, yeah we'll, we'll get to the central cap and then get one last sterling city preview in before that state championship game and and you know maybe we do something special if we end up getting approved fingers crossed to, <laughs> to go to that game gonna be a little disappointed if we don't actually yeah you know, we, we have a, a lot of content in store so if, if you're a big sterling city central fan um any contra valley sports fan to be honest head over to contra valley homepage.com you can click the sports tab and just check out that locker room section as well this becomes a point in the year where if your team isn't in it it's more of a pride a pride thing for your area not like and, and you can say west texas thing or west texas pride because in my eyes, that's how I always viewed it, was once it did get to a certain point, I wanted West Texas teams to do really well in the playoffs because I get tired of hearing about the Dallas and the Houston and <laughs> the San Antonio and Austin and these bigger cities. Yep. Because traditionally speaking, you know, 
you know, I, I think of Little Southwest Conference football. I think of, you know, Abilene High being one of the most successful state or programs in the state of Texas, nine district cha- or nine state championships. Um, so I guess, you know, going back to just the area thing, even Concho Valley, more centric, you know, this is one of those things where you have, if you're even a six-man team like Erie County or Water Valley or Braun or Robert Lee, you want a team from your area to win a state title. I know it's not necessarily the greatest thing to think about as a, of a, a rival or, a, you know, someone close by to be hoisting a state championship, but that means that your area is, is playing some of the best football in the state of Texas. So it's getting your area it's attention. A, too. It's a pride thing. Uh, and I, I mean, I would hope that that's how a lot of these coaches I, and, you know, fans look at this thing because, I mean, I, I know that, that that's kind of what I've got from, from some coaches is they're, they're pulling for Sterling City. And, you know, I'm sure the same would go for the Bobcats. Absolutely, Jaden. That does it here on this episode of Locker Room Rewind. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast feed, go ahead and do so. CVHP Locker Room Rewind on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll see if Central can take care of business in the by district round on Friday against East Lake. Until that recap comes out, everyone have a happy, safe, and fun week. Bye.